0: Greetings, downhillers, free riders, dirt jumpers, slope stylers, and other progressive riders, including beginners, intermediate, and advanced. It's episode number 11 of the MTB Jumper Podcast. I feature conversations with extraordinary riders, coaches, and industry leaders. We talk about skill development, bikes and gear, digging and building, strength and fitness, and much, much more. I'm your host, Norman Peterson. Thanks for tuning in. Today's guest leads us on a classic hero's journey from childhood obesity to an early fascination with mountain biking, to winning the Pulitzer Prize, to realizing his deepest purpose. Join me for this talk with pro-MTB coach, author, and inventor of the Rip Row, Lee McCormick. Awesome. I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you're super busy with, your, with Rip Row, and I assume the new book, and, uh, or the new uh, edition of the book, and, yeah. and a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Still coaching full-time through all of this.
1: Yes, sir. And trying to be a decent human being, husband and father, too.
0: hmm hmm You know? I get
1: it. Yeah, it's a tricky balance. It's funny because, like, when you have kids, you basically have yeah. to make more money and be more productive, but then you have to work less, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, that's a kind of an interesting little situation. I think a lot of dads know what I'm talking about, especially dads who work for themselves.
0: Yeah. Self-employment is definitely a, a magical balancing act for anybody who's been through it. That's <laughs> definitely. a that's a great euphemism. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, and we and, and, and the thing is, we those of us who do it, you know, we don't we don't want to really talk about when somebody says, "How's it going?" You don't want to say, "Well, I'm scared to death," right? Right. <laughs> like or just day. like,
1: or say, you know, my boss isn't is is the hardest person I've ever worked for. <laughs>
0: The biggest asshole ever. I know, and I he actually... pushes and he pushes,
1: and I should be sleeping, but he's up my ass. Tell me what to do all night long.
0: I actually do say that when people say, "How's it going?" I say, "Or how do you like working for yourself?" I say, "Well, my my boss is a prick." Well, my, I I am the
1: hardest boss I've ever worked for. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. No no question. Yeah. My my expectations for myself are really high. Probably it's not probably if my if my if my personal coach is listening he'll laugh. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's not all healthy, but it it does make you productive.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's good. And the outcomes are, it's so great to make stuff, man. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's good to make things. It's really important. Yeah. yeah. I agree. So, um, let's get, let's talk about, let's talk about bikes. (laughs) I like bikes. I wrote, I wrote one
1: really, I wrote one very recently about 30 feet from my office. I, um, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I wrote it on my track here at the house, and that was nice. I figured, uh, uh, I figured if we're going to talk about biking and loving and flowing, I should do something. So, nice, I did.
0: Nice. I probably should have done that this morning, but it's, it's, uh, it's still a little early here. Um, there's a lot mm-hmm. of hype about an eclipse happening, I guess. I've heard, of, um, I've
1: heard about this eclipse thing.
0: Yes. Right, right. Uh, it's gonna be a thing. Don't look at it. That's that's all. That's all I can tell you.
1: I, I'm not worried about it because I think it's a hoax. It's a hoax.
0: Oh, sure. A conspiracy theory. Well, I think that's if, the.
1: If the Earth is flat, then how the hell could that even happen? I don't. It's that's not possible.
0: Really, that's a really good point.
1: <laughs> Actually, like, at, at our our kids go to this kick-ass school here in Boulder, and everybody yeah. in school has the glasses. And, and if we're done in time, I'm gonna ride down there and like see the eclipse with with them and my wife and everything would be cool
0: oh nice yeah. yeah that's awesome man so um i'm curious and i'm sure uh my listeners are curious as to how you how you got started with biking we can sp- maybe spend a f- couple minutes on that
1: yeah like well um i mean like every other kid are our, our, my you know i'm like i'll be 48 actually in three days so mm-hmm. like every other kid my age you know i grew up with a Schwinn ray right and mm-hmm. um Building jumps and, you know, basically making the jumps bigger until someone got hurt, usually me. Um, mm. You know, and then I just became a teenager, you know what I mean? And um, I was very much interested in the dead Kennedys and trying to find beer to drink and do all that stuff. Um, <laughs> but but I was about eight, 19, and I and I'd had a weight issue my whole issue. Like my whole, like, teenage life, I was really heavy. Came from a Weight yeah. Watchers family, you know, diet feel good gain back more feel terrible repeat um Mm -hmm. and like mountain biking was becoming popular and at the time i was sort of riding motocross and racing motocross extremely poorly i mean oh my god Uh, i was terrible i was beyond (laughs) terrible um but i liked it you know it was serving a need i had at the time and um so mountain bikes were getting popular and like back then they had 18 gears or and i was like oh dude I, i could ride up anything you know so I went out sure. and I spent three hundred bucks on a Nishiki Pueblo, a nineteen eighty eight Nishiki Pueblo, two ninety nine ninety nine. My parents told me I'd wasted my money. I would never ride, etc. Which is great motivation probably for a young man. And I just started riding. I mean, honestly, I just started riding the thing. And of course, as everybody knows, like it doesn't matter how many gears you have, climbing's hard when you're like five foot six, two ten. You know. Um, wow. And just but. Dude, something about it. I, I liked it. It resonated with me, you know? And I started riding more and more. And I remember I decided I was going to start riding to school. And I, 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 I'm like, I'm into metrics. I time everything I do or count everything I do. I'm weird. <laughs> and and yeah. so I remember, like, it took me 47 minutes to ride to school the first time. 47. It about killed me. It was so hard. And I lived in a, in a hilly area. And it was just murder. But something about it, dude, it felt good, you know? And so I just kept, I kept at it and I kept riding and then we would do some mountain biking on the weekends. But most of my miles were just around the neighborhood, just, you know, getting miles. And what happened was I started losing weight. Um, I saw, started seeing muscles I had never seen before. You know what I mean? Um, Nice. Started really identifying myself as a, as a, as a, as a cyclist. Um, I became a pretty serious roadie and triathlete. But I always my passion was always mountain biking, you know. And um, there you have it, you know. And then and then, but by, by the time I left that that I was in junior college then. By the time I went off to Humboldt State for you know to to matriculate up to get my degree, I was turning that same commute from forty seven minutes to twelve minutes. So I was wow. a lot of, I was a lot fitter, and I was just <laughs> it, it just it just like unlocked something in me, you know. It it, it had yeah. always been there, and 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 uh, what was funny was like I think. I think that my body, the way it was and the way I fucking hated it. Yeah. The way I hated it was really like blocking my, my personality and my heart and my mind. And something interesting happened. Like as my body changed or maybe as my body got out of my way, let's say, I started to kind of become like, I guess who I was supposed to be, you know, and, um, Mm -hmm. I had a group of friends who were older than me and they used to pick on me and I was like the fat kid they would pick on, you know, that was like my role in the group. And we always did sports together and I was the worst, but, but what started happening was like the, the bike was like a, 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 um, a catalyst for me to, to, to wake up my body and I started beating them at stuff. And I started like coming at them as more of a peer, you know, And, and, Mm. and one of the guys was like, you know, I like the old lead better. And I was like, done. We're not friends anymore, you know? And that was it. Wow. Yeah. So it's interesting. And of course, as you know, like you can go And 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 when I was young, I moved a lot for work. I was in the newspaper business and you could go to any community on this planet that I know of, you know, and go into a bike shop and say, Hey, I'm a mountain biker. Can I ride with you guys? And people are going to be like, hell yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. So that's your people. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, I talked with, with several people actually, even on this show about how inclusive and friendly the mountain biking community tends to be. It's pretty, pretty awesome. It's totally um, awesome. And
1: if if I may say so, like just, just by, by way of contrast. So, you know, coming as a fat kid, right. I was very yeah. much into the, like, try to be skinny program. Right. Yeah, And I yeah. eventually took that too far too. I take everything too far. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, but like we, I used to ride like the, with the local big road shop, you know, like the kind that sells the Colnago's, you know, those kinds of shop bikes. And I had my sure. little cheap, I had my cheap diamondback, which wasn't cheap for me, you know? And I, and I had the exact same team kit that David Weems used to wear. He was like my idol, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I would wear that and I would go out on these rides for like 40 miles, you know, like, like along the coast in, in Orange County through the back bay and, um, newport and there's this sprint at the top of like at the back of the bay there's like this punchy climb and that was like the yeah. big thing and and i couldn't hang with these people and i stuck with it and stuck with it and stuck with it until i could basically hang and the the day i won that sprint was the last day i ever rode with those people um because wow. they're they were not nice people you know and these are people like my mm. age so i'm thinking about like a guy who's like in his mid to late 40s, early 50s, who's got some money, who's got like a $10,000 bike. And some yeah. young 20-year-old guy shows up on like a $600 bike and he loves riding. Like I would be like, dude, come with me. You know, I yeah. would be like, let's yeah. go. I'll show you a couple things. But these guys were like, they would like be like, Diamond back, get back and make fun of us. And me and my buddy have the same bike. And then, yeah, like I said, like it's just a totally different culture. I took them as people to fight. And when I got to the point where I could beat them, I I was done. And that was the last time I was a roadie. I was (laughs) Mm -hmm. done with that. Wow.
0: Oh, interesting. That was the end of roadie in general.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I ride the road all the time, of course, but that was the last time Uh I considered it to be a sport. (laughs) Sure. To me, riding the road is a conveyance and a way of training, you know. So. Yeah,
0: it's it's it, bicycling in general. I think, um, you know, like you were saying about your early experiences in high school when you first started riding your mountain bike, or your nishiki that is uh, pueblo. Um, you know, it, it's it, it's a very personal thing. Even when you're riding with other people, it's a very personal thing. And I, I'm not sure why, but the but um the road scene. I think it's it stays more in, it stays more insular, um, and, and people remain more individual than they do. You know, when you're riding with a group of mountain bikers, it's there's just like we were saying, there's more inclusiveness. New people and come along, you're more likely to invite them in and include them. I, I think. And I think I think it might just be because because mountain biking is so much more challenging uh, all around. Do you think that might be it?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're thinking what I'm thinking, which is basically like if you're on a mountain bike, the trail is the challenge, you know, and the the, the trail is the measure, right? So how do you, depending on your level, how do you like, you know, clear sections? How do you survive? How do you, you know, like use the trail to exhibit your exquisiteness, you know, whatever your level is, right? And that way when you're with people, they can help you kind of like amplify and get a group flow state and help you enjoy it. But if you're on a road yeah. ride, which I've done, um, I just have to beat Norman. Like if mm. I beat Norman, <laughs> then, I, yep. then, then I win. So part of my yep. French, fuck Norman, you know, yeah. and I'm going to be yep. over right. here. Right. And, and, and it was so funny. We used to take it so seriously. It's so hysterical because like I, I used to ride with some really strong guys, like professional guys. And, you know, and, and it was like, you know, we'd be on these climbs and, like, one of the guys, like, so I would, like, I would, like, I, I've always been a sprinter, you know, better sprinter than a climber, right? So, like, I would, like, cough while I shifted so he wouldn't hear that and I would go, you know? This is back, no. when, you to, this is back when you had to reach, get your hands off the handlebar and reach a lever on your down tube, right? And sure. then, and then he, used to, he used to race with a heart rate monitor. With, with a, with a, um, he was a pro triathlete. And so he always had, like, an alarm if his heart rate got too high. And And he started under, understanding that if his heart rate got too high, I would attack him <laughs> right yeah and but of course he's no dummy, so he set his alarm low one day, and <laughs> I attacked, and he's like, "Sorry, chump, you know, and he, like, he threw down he's aerobically wow. he, was just, he was way more than me aerobically, so I had a hundred meters on him any direction but but you know for any more than that it was it was all him, right, so yeah, that was sort of fun, but yeah, I think you're right, like I think I think. If, if, if I don't know, because I, I I around Boulder like gravel riding is like the new thing. I just wonder like, given what you're saying, if going on a gravel ride is like a a hybrid of the culture of mountain biking and road biking, right? Sure. Because because there's some crazy roads around here, and like honestly, to be able to ride these roads well on a road bike is a pretty good accomplishment. So maybe it would be a more of a stoke like mountain biking, you know?
0: Yeah. That's interesting. I'm not not going to go find out. I'm not. (laughs) Okay. You got plenty to do. Plenty to focus on. You don't need to do that.
1: If I can get, if I have time to ride, dude, like I would just, there are other things I would rather do, honestly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've like, I've always said that um, road riding is, uh, was invented for getting better at mountain biking. And the proof of that is uh, photographs of the early tour. Where they're on these relatively fat tire road bikes on mm. dirt roads and cobbl- cobblestones, so right, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to that That's anyway. Fair. So <laughs> let's uh, let's talk about your beginnings with um with progressive riding. Huh,
1: Progressive riding, well,
0: well, you've ridden with some pretty badass mountain bikers, yes,
1: I, I have, yeah, I, I definitely mm-hmm. have, um, which is which is enough to rid you of any concept that you're good at all. Um but like (laughs) oh yeah. You know, I'm sure you've been there. So but like Mr. Brian Lopes, probably the best mountain biker ever. Um, you know, we were we grew up in the same town. And so um it's funny, like when I first met him, right, I was in my a weightlifting class at my junior college, um, Saddleback College in Mission V Hill, California, Orange County. And I, I he was the same age as my younger brother. I didn't know him at all. And I'm, you know, of course I'm a, I'm a mountain biker by then. So I'm wearing Lycra. I've got my, I upgraded to a diamondback apex, which by now is, is day glow pink. Right. And, mm. and he's like, Hey man, do you ride bikes? I'm like, yeah, man, I love riding bikes. And I probably even said, I'm a badass. I'm sure I said that. <laughs> right. And, uh, and he's like, Oh man, I ride bikes too. You asked, you want to, you want to go for a ride? I'm like, sure. So we meet and he shows up on a BMX bike. I'm gonna give you real time the entire ride. Are you ready? Here it goes. Alright, yes. bro, cool. I have no idea who this guy is. I have no idea that he's a world-class BMX racer already, right? Uh yeah. So so we leave like the gym, we're going down this road, he he like jumps off a off a like a um um a speed bump, and he probably hips like 15 feet to the sidewalk and then hits huh. an embankment, jumps, and lays a completely flat table. I go, cool. Try that thing. Hit my back tire on the rim, uh, I'm mean, on the curb, and exploded my bike. And that was the ride. That was it. It's pretty funny. But but back then, like we, um, he he won a mountain bike in a BMX race. And like this is like before Brian, like his fitness came on. I actually could out climb him. I said that. Um, but it was short lived, you know. And and the cool thing about us was like we were both young and insane. So like I would I used to work till like eleven o'clock at night at a gas station. And I would just ride by his house and go boom, 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 on the door. What are you up to? Nothing. And we would just go do hill repeats and stupid shit together. So we we were we were nice. good together like that. Like we were always up for whatever, you know? Um yeah. but yeah, I I've I've, I've ridden with some fast people. He he of course, you know, is one of the fastest. And I spent time on Curtis Keene's wheel, which is always just an act of absolute beauty. Wow. Sure. Um cool. So so he asked me when I got progressive. So I guess like um, I'm in I, I've graduated from college and I'm an intern at the Sacramento Bee in Sacramento, California. I'm still very much a roadie and a recreational, you know, I'm a mountain biker too. And back then I used to um speed skate. Um so I used to like commute to the um newspaper on speed skates and ride the road and ride mountain bikes when I could. But I was still very uh-huh. much a self self like uh, endurance guy. And so I went to the Mammoth Nas- I went to the Mammoth Nationals, which is not far away, and I raced like Back then it was called sport. This would be cat two cross country, right? And dude, okay. I suffered. I uh. busted my ass to be in the middle <laughs> of that pack, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. of course the kamikaze downhill was going on and it's famous, right? <laughs> and I'm like, Well I have to I'm here. I'm scared to death, but I'm gonna do it. So I had a I had a hardtail with a hundred and fifty millimeter negative rise stem, um, a twenty inch pink handlebar. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right?
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um my my C post, I dropped it like a quarter inch. Put like sixty pounds of air in my Richie Z Max tires, you know, and <laughs> and just went. And I put a fifty-two chain ring on the front of it. Fifty-two. Oh, and my that God. was that was the beginning of the end for me, dude. Like I'll tell you what, like that was the most oh, and I had a an inch and a half of suspension in the front. And mm. I just like Fuck, man, like that terror, you know, at the top. I mean, because like the top of Mammoth is not like Earth. It's like the moon and just the wind <laughs> yeah. and just like sprinting over that first hill. And there's a blind, you know, fall on the other side. And just that commitment. That's a flow trigger, dude, on hindsight. And my God, like, I, I just don't remember anything about it. It was completely a seamless moment of, oh, my God, I finished right. it, was snot, it was snot down my whole body. The biggest high I'd ever experienced in my life at the time. And I was like, you know, t- toward the top of the field. And I was like, I'm a downhiller, dude. <laughs> Done. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'd already gone through, I'm not a roadie anymore. And then I was like, dude, I'm not a cross country guy. I'm a downhiller, man. <laughs> yeah. That was it. Yeah. That was it, you know? This was 1993.
0: That's great. That's early. Yeah. Cool. And, uh, how long did you, did you, so did you get it seriously into racing?
1: I did. Yeah. Like I took it as seriously as I could. Now I, I was not cursed with talent. So like <laughs> Brian, you know, Brian and I kind of split, split paths and I went to go work as be a normal person. And he went on to be Brian Lopes and, um, sure. um but yeah, I took it as serious as I could, you know, and, and there are some years where I fought hard to to, to race downhill, you know, and I was really motivated to get good at it. So like downhill, slalom, four cross. When super D came up, I had like a nice scourge of terror there before like the pro cross mm-hmm. country guys came into it. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I was, I was committed, you know, and like, you know, I mean, I'm, we're talking about like, okay, I want to win cat two and then I want to win cat one. I'm not talking about the world championships. I'm talking about where I was at the time you know sure 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 and i yeah. was committed like i my i was doing okay in my career my newspaper career i was an yeah. informational graphics artist back then in, in a daily newspaper and i had interviews you know and like at, at the big places and offered mm-hmm. a job to be like the, the the you know art director for this huge back then like news bureau i don't think they even exist anymore and the, but mm-hmm. i was just like you know you don't have mountains here and i have to win a national like that's all i cared about you know Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So it really, it really like shaped my life that, that like uh, that commitment or addiction or whatever you want to call it, you know, it was a big big deal. It was a really big part of my life. And, and and I just always have like the the parallel track of like, I'm a mountain biker. That's all I really care about in life. And if you talk to me, I'm sure I'll bring up mountain biking. I'm sure, you know, and and that's why I live and dream. But um, I'm also um, having this career, right? And, and, yeah. and, and way I'm talking like 20 years ago from today, I, I knew though, that the career thing was just prep. And that when I finally was going to man up someday, I was going to do something amazing that involved my professional skills and, and writing.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's great, man. That's uh, that's, that's quite the epic journey. Um, So, so let's see where to go next. I mean, I know that you transitioned from, uh, from, uh well let's let's call it analog to digital in your in your career uh at kind of a a very opportune moment yes yeah i did so like without um, without going too far down that rabbit hole but maybe you can touch on yeah that.
1: I, I can go really quick right so i, I was i was working on a paper i'm in my late 20s i'm already a department head um and i i ran the art department the editorial art department and um i i i was lucky enough to just you know, do my job well at a certain time when it helped. And I got to a Pulitzer Prize with my name on it. So that already happened. Nice. And wow. hysteric. And what the funniest thing about it is they misspelled my name on the certificate. It's awesome. You know, it's just like, lest you feel good about yourself. <laughs> like, let's keep it, you know. And it's so funny yeah. because I don't even know where that is, that piece of paper. I have no idea where that piece of paper is, you know. At the time, <laughs> I just wanted to freaking win a race, you know. But um, right. oh, so wow. and, and, and I kind of I kind of <laughs> topped out, you know, and, and so anyway, like, um, basically, like I, I, I wound up working for AltaVista.com. That was the big search engine between before Google. And at the time,
0: they were, we're about talking go, we're talking 98,
1: 99, uh, 2000. Yeah, okay. I, I got hired in, in early 2000. So um, they were about to go IPO just money like you can't believe it's just circulating around the Silicon Valley. It was just insane. I mean, just young dudes in Porsches, young dudes on Ducati's just all over town, you know? And, and, um, I went to go work there and, and of course, the, 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 the crash hit like two days before we were going to go IPO. So we did oh. not go IPO and we went through tons of layoffs. Like I, I think I went through five or six rounds of layoffs and, I had a huge advantage because I always expected to work for a living. I've always expected that I would just work my ass off every day at whatever sure. I do, right? Done. And no one else there that was like that. And so like when I started, there were 18 people in my department. Then there were 10 and then five and then I was the last one. And then they put me in another department. So I was able to take on all these different jobs, you know what I mean? And kind of keep yeah. my job Plus, I used to ride street motorcycles back then a lot, and it couldn't hurt. Didn't hurt that every Friday I would ride with the CEO. He had a nice BMW, and I would always ride ride a hair slower than him and be very complimentary about his beautiful motorcycle. So sure. <laughs> that probably didn't hurt. Um, I, it was. It was. It, I mean, you know, back then you worked long days and it was stressful, but you know, I, I think I'm just built to work, so I just did it right, and so. I, I got a raise and, and the amount of money was like that target number that you think is going to be amazing. And it, yeah. it, it's it's a good amount of money. It's great, you know? And, um, so I don't know how to say this. I want to say it briefly because so we can talk about bikes, but basically by now, like you're talking 10, 15 years, no 10 years of just like having this discord, like this, like this idea inside your guts that everything is wrong, that you're doing these things But that you're supposed to be doing something different, you know? And I'd always had that feeling since I was a kid. And it had been getting heavier and heavier. And it had showed up in crazy ways, like an ulcer when you're 26, or like pain syndrome, like pain syndromes. Like they thought I had fibromyalgia, which is a Mm widespread pain syndrome, and just weird psychological, psychosomatic stuff. Cause my Kung Fu chi power was not lined up right. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm doing the job, it's sucking. I'm, I'm still very committed to being a mountain biker. And, and I was also writing for um, uh, my bike magazines back then. Like, I was an original, you know, contributor to Bike Magazine. Used to write oh, cool. for most of them, right? So, I, I, yeah. I, I would work, like, this 12, 14-hour day and then also work at night as a writer for mountain biking because I liked it. So, hmm. um, there's this movie called, <laughs> Whale, you know, Whale Rider. And it's yeah. about – so. Um, it's it's awkward telling you the stories because we already did this New Zealand. once and the New and the Zealand sound film. I know I and know. the sounds <laughs> didn't work so like I feel like I'm calling it in but so but <laughs> that's fine but, but 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 all you all you people because I want to entertain you right but all you people yeah. out there like check out the movie Whale Rider it's about a a, a yeah. Maori girl in New Zealand who's going to become the king of the tribe right yes and. And that movie's about fate. And so here I am, right? And I'm with my ex-wife, and we're in the Palo Alto Theater, no kidding, in a room full of millionaires, basically. I have no idea what the movie's about. We just show up. Yeah. And, I'm sit- and I'm sitting there, right? And remember, I have this 10, 15 years of, of pain and anxiety and knowing that I should do something with my life and bragging that like, oh, yeah, you know, whatever. I want a Pulitzer, but I don't care about that. I'm destined for something bigger, but not manning up and doing it. Right. There's like all this backstory, all this anxiety. And the movie starts, right? And it's about fate. And it shows her awkward life and how she's meant to do something different. And she kinda knows it and her tribulations of going that way. And 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 halfway through the movie, Norman, I'm just like crying, you know? And I'm trying to stop myself, but then I finally give up. And I'm just openly crying in this in this movie. And it just it gets heavier and heavier and heavier and it's like obvious that some shit's going down here, right? And I'm openly sure. bawling and it's just coming out of me, right? And I had like a vision and I was a speck and somebody was saying, "Hey, dude, are you are you seeing this movie? Are you watching what's going on here?" I go, "Yeah," and the voice said, "So are you honoring your your purpose?" And I was like, "No," you know, hmm. and then um. The next day, and like, (laughs) this is where, you know, the inspiring story becomes bad advice. But the next day in, I I went in and I quit my job. I quit my job. And and, and I was doing a pretty good job there, right? And my boss is like, I don't care. How much money do you want, dude? And I was like, it it doesn't matter. And then he goes, well, you know, um, Yahoo's buying us. And if you could wait a month, you're going to get all your stock options. That's the part. I could have waited a month, you know? But I didn't, I mean, dude, like that, I, you know how it is. Like when you're like, you've been wanting to do say like a big jump or a big drop, you know, that moment when you like roll in and you're like, okay, if this is going to happen one way or another, right. You know, that moment, um, that I, I, I I crossed that line. It was Hmm. done. So there you go. Done. Then I went to a salary of zero (laughs) done.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really interesting and, and inspiring. I mean, because at, at some point you used, had you been coaching by then or? No, uh, uh-uh. like, okay. It, it so what was your my... next, what was your next move? I mean, in terms well, of.
1: Well Yeah. So my next move was like, well, shit, that was scary. And I, um, I, I did go out and do like the Norba circuit that, that, that year. And I did win okay. some races and, um, it so when you
0: when you walked away from that job, what was in your mind as far as what you were what else you were gonna do?
1: See, I didn't really know, and and I knew okay. it had to do with writing,
0: uh-huh.
1: and I knew it had to do with like my communication skills. And by now, I've been working in daily newspapers, which meant that like pretty much every single day, you would get like three to six new topics that you'd never heard of, and you'd huh. have to make yeah. some sort of like an informational graphic to explain them every okay. day on deadlines. So yes, I had had yes. like thousands of those cycles in me, right? Plus right. I I'd gone and worked for a big company. Well, it was a big company when I started. It was a very small company when I left. <laughs> and uh, and, I, yeah. and I and I learned how to like take my, idea, my 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 thought process and apply it to like interaction and software. So basically I, I had a lot of years in me of understanding how to take complex subjects And make them simple that was like my 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 superpower and and i and i wanted to do the book i I thought that i could be the guy who would write the definitive how to mountain bike book and i'd read everything out there and nobody had really like said this is what you do with your fingers and your toes and your elbows you know like how to actually ride right and so i was out on the i was out on the circuit right and i'll never forget because we were in the norba circuit the norba circuit and, and I, I'll never forget. Cause we were in West Virginia and it was like their hundred year floods. It was so sketchy. Oh my God. So muddy. And there was a, there's a pro guy, um, who, who had been coaching and he was a coach and he'd been a Red Bull guy, like, like a rampage rider and a world cup downhiller. And I approached him, you know, and I was like, Hey man, like I want to do this book, you know? And he's like, I'll do it with you, you know? So I'm like, okay. And we exchanged like some email and, and phone numbers and then I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. And I, and I was out on the circuit, and I knew that it was a good adventure, but it wasn't my purpose by any means. And yeah. I started calling and emailing this guy, and that the poor bastard could not answer a phone call. He could oh. not reply to an email, and so yeah. I just kind of like went on the on the on the side. So this is ten years after I'd seen Brian Lopes, right? And Brian, yes. by now, is Brian freaking Lopes, like. <laughs> the most yeah. winning mountain biker in the history of the sport, and out of the blue, and of course I'm not going to say randomly, but out of the blue, the phone rings and it's Brian. Hey, bro, what's yeah. up? I'm like, whoa, no way. Hey, Brian, we I catch up with him and I go, dude, you know what? Like, I quit my job, and um, I want to write the book, you know. And he's like, dude, I'll do that with you. I'll be on, you know, I'll, I'll be the, I'll be like that guy, you know. I was like, okay, yeah. So done, right? And we did it, you know. And it was. <laughs> Dude, like, you think that working in, like, a daily newspaper is stressful or at a dot-com is stressful? You know what's really stressful, dude, Norman? It's like when you've been telling everybody, including yourself, how you're going to write this book someday and you're some kind of a genius and how amazing it's going to be. When you open a Word document and that cursor's blinking at you, that's stress, dude.
0: <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> yep.
1: Yeah. So so that that's it. And then the book was the hardest thing I'd ever done. I gave myself the shingles from the stress, blah blah blah. Oh man. It's it's done. It's done and it's great. And then like I had that crazy moment in life um be, um see the the book that was like the best-selling mountain bike book before that was Ned Overend's book. And
0: Okay. Yep. Yep.
1: And then one day I get like a PayPal notification. It's Ned Overend. He bought 5 books from me. 5. <laughs> And he wanted me to sign one for him, one for his son and some for his son's buddies. And I was just like, cool. And I'm just sitting there with a fricking Sharpie going like, dear Ned, like, what do you say to that guy? Right.
0: (laughs) Right. Right.
1: And by, and by this time, like I'd already interviewed him like for a magazine, you know what I mean? And he's a a nice guy and also a hero. Right. So that was kind of rad. And then, so the coaching happened all after all that, like, I, I never thought I'd be a teacher. I never thought I had any, any disposition or desire to be a teacher, never. But um, once the book was done, I kind of looked around, and I raced, and I did okay. And, um, and I was like, well, you know, real sports like skiing have a curriculum, right? You have the PSIA mm-hmm. or swimming or any other sport. So I decided I'm going to be the guy to, to, to make the curriculum. So I designed it, and somebody wisely said, well, before you publish it, maybe you should teach, you know? So I was like, that's a good idea. And I got yeah. a job just like with a local, like it's called Simba. It's like a local kids group here in town. And okay. I did a season with that. And it was like, you know, first of all, the methods work, they make sense. And and second of all, like I think I like to teach. And so then the parents started to want to get fast. You know what I mean? And then like another friend of a friend. And back then I was charging like twenty or thirty bucks an hour. And like it was dude, it was completely word of mouth. And um and what it turned out, Norman, is that um, I'm trying to say this the right way. I'm a I'm a I'm a damn good teacher. I'll just say that. Like, it, and it's just like it's something that was in me, and is it's just the way I think, the way I connect with people. Like, it was just something that had been kind of stirring, and once I started sure. doing it on a regular basis, I realized that you know what, like this is, this is the highest and best use of my professional time. Does that make sense? And cool. And just like one step at a time. And now, like, I I teach, like, that's how I make money today. Um, hopefully yeah. that'll change, you know, with ripro, but like today, over the past, like, what five years? I mean, I have yeah. kids, I have a wife, I have a house, I have a dog, you know what I mean? My kids and wife <laughs> all have new clothes. I, I wear old clothes, you know, but, uh, <laughs> it, and it works. And, and I, and, and, the, and the funny, like, ironic, beautiful thing about the whole adventure is, and you've heard this from all the like, self-help gurus. Like I do what I like to do. I, when I'm teaching, it might not always be easy, but it's always, it's always right. It's always the right thing to be doing. And I make more money doing that than I did at Alta Vista. Wow. So there you go. Um, that's pretty rad. So that's cool.
0: That's great. I mean, that's, yeah, it, it, you've definitely, you've definitely found your purpose.
1: Right. Yeah. I, th- I think so. I think so. And, you know, and I'm not throwing that money out to, to be cool because relative to the people I know, I'm, I'm like the poorest one. Right. But I'm just trying to say <laughs> that, like, all the BS you hear about, like, you should follow your purpose and nah, 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 all that crap. Well, mm. there's, so there's some truth to it, dude. There's some truth to it. And like and like I, I could not in any way have predicted what, 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 what's happening today from like looking forward. There's no way but looking back you can totally right. see how all the dots connect
0: right all of them yeah and and one of the things that i get from um from story, from your story uh and from stories like yours is that that purpose doesn't it's it's not a straight line between here's my passion and here's my purpose it, purpose comes at the end of a journey and that and that journey, you know and it's and it's the iconic uh um you know paradigmatic hero's journey that's talked about so much in, in, yeah. uh, literature and all that. Um, yeah. every movie, you, every movie you love has, has the hero's journey in Dude, it. Joseph, um, and Joseph
1: Campbell, right? Like Joseph Campbell. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I get it. And, and you know what? Like I'm, I'm living that exact thing. I learned about it in college. <laughs> right. Uh-huh. And it's just like, Oh my God, <laughs>
0: I'm, I'm on that path. Right. So it's yeah. But it's so funny. It, it, you can only see it in hindsight. Like it's yeah. not possible. It's not possible to plot it out. All you can do is, is get up and and, and uh, do the best work that you can every day. And
1: I think I um, think what you just said is beautiful and true. And um, oh, thank you. You know, I, right? And it's hard. Like we have old, we have older kids. You know, um, we have we have two kids who are young. They're eight, almost eight, and we have a twenty seven year old and a twenty four year old. You know, okay. and it's like it's like the twenty seven year old wants to find her purpose, and I'm like, do do anything the best you can. Yeah. And then yeah. something else will come from that. And then the next thing will come. You know what I mean? Like when I made that switch to Alta Vista, a friend of mine, like we had done some video together, like like we're talking about like late nineties, huge VHS camera, mountain bike videos early, early, early. Right. And I'd done huh. some editing yeah. and a friend of mine, Dean Podolsky was like, he was a, he had been a TV producer. He's like, you know, man, you'd be a good um, information architect. And that moment right there changed it all. Because I was like, what's an information <laughs> architect? Right. And I looked it up. And basically, sure. like in a software company or, you know, a web company, they're the guys who do what I was doing at the newspaper just for software. And and I and I and I just set up like a lunch interview at Alta Vista just to see what they do, you know? And yeah. they kinda liked me and they're like, um, so is this a job interview or what? And I was like, uh, sure, you know? And and I was like, <laughs> you know. And I was always taught, you know, um, when you leave a job interview, well, ask them, like, so, okay, Aaron, thanks for the time. That was amazing. I would love to come work here. But, like, why wouldn't you hire me? What's the reason you wouldn't hire me? And she's like, well, um, you have zero experience. That's the problem. I was like, ah, right. There's that. So I just <laughs> said, so I said, okay, give me a test. You know, just give me a test. And she's like, okay, well, there's this new area of the site we want to redesign. Um, send us a report. That's all she told me to do, right? And I was just able to like because of the work I've been doing, right?
0: Right. I was able to
1: just, you know, I was just able to get it, and I and I wrote a report, and they hired me, and I went from the very top of of a dying industry to the very bottom of a new industry. I would have taken a pay (laughs) cut for the privilege, but I did not get a pay cut, sir. Mm, Um, Nice. And then game on, right? But like that's the thing, you know, and 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 it's so funny too. Like when I was in high school, I was so over the. What I saw is the bullshit of school. I was so over it, dude. It seemed like such a waste of time. I just wanted to do real stuff, you know? Sure. And I I worked at a gas station, a Texaco, like, full-service gas station. Dude, I loved that job so much.
0: I would pump. (laughs) I I
1: I loved it. I would pump gas. I'd be out, you know, by myself at night. If someone had, like, a blown, like, fan belt, I'd fix it, you know? Tire blown, fix it. Like, um, water pump, well we have one here. I don't know how to do it, but I'll figure it out. You know, there's something so real about that. Right. And so instead of going to college, I did that for a while. And, and I was laughing um, last week. I was in my garage um, assembling rip rows, right? Like the first yeah. batch yeah. for customers. And I was like, Oh my God. And some of the tools that I'm using today, I've had that long,
0: huh. Wow. you know? And I was
1: just like, Holy shit. Like, this path, like I wanted to be a mechanic and learn about machines, but what happened was I did this other thing and I did this other thing and I became some bike coach guy and then I invented a machine and here I am again. I'm a mechanic.
0: You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> it was rad.
0: Full circle. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Okay, that's let's uh, cool. let. Yeah, very. No, that's awesome, man. It's a. It's your your life story is fascinating. Um, and I'd like to talk about how all that comes comes around, I guess, uh, to where you're at now. Well, I guess, first of all, let's just touch briefly on the latest version of, um, the mm-hmm. mountain bike skills book, which I'm sorry. Okay. The title of that book is mastering mountain bike skills, mastering mountain bike skills. Cool. And yeah. you just, you just in the last six months released the most. No, like, version? like, like
1: less than six weeks. Like I'm sitting here looking okay, at the copy six weeks right ago. here. Like, like we just got, mm-hmm. um, We just got them here last week at the house. Um, big, big few cases of them, so it's brand new. It's brand new. Yeah, it's it's the third edition. So that's the first Uh book I did with Brian, and then that was like. What's Brian's
0: role in that book?
1: Um, well, he's on the cover. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) there's a kick-ass shot of him on the cover. in 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 this In this edition, like, I think it's kind of clear if you read it right, like. I mean, I'm a day-to-day bike coach, and I'm a day-to-day writer, so you know I play that role, right? But but yeah. Br- Brian is currently still probably historically one of the best mountain bikers ever to to do it, right? Ever. And and so in the book, the way the book is structured now is um, the structure of the book is based on how I teach, and the methodologies in the book are how I teach. And I've taught about six thousand people now of all levels, so I've, I think I've got a pretty good data set, right? So the book is is my best attempt. Last summer, under an extremely crazy deadline, to express that. Uh, and Brian okay. Brian has his perspective as like one of the greatest racers and riders in history. So so like where I might come at it from, like the like here's technically how you can do it, and here's what your earlobe should be doing while your pancreas is doing what it does. You know that kind of detail. Brian has like that world-class intuitive kind of like elite athlete perspective. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and so the way the book is structured there's a, like like sidebars all over the place. Like it's called Schooled by Brian. I think it's called Schooled by Brian. And then that's his that's his voice, you know? Okay. Yeah, Schooled by Brian. Okay. So, it's interesting because like his like you know most writers at his level, well there aren't very many, of course. So I'm talking about a smaller people you know, the yeah. part and, and this is this gets to, to teaching techniques, but it's like the part of you that goes out and wins like twenty five national championships, like Brian did, and like five world championships or something stupid, is not the part of you that writes a book. <laughs> and it's not the part of you that no. talks to other people and makes sense of things. It's a completely different system, right? And that's and, that's
0: why I asked that question, because it's it's very unusual for high level writers to be able to communicate their skill sets.
1: It, it is, and and and, and Brian, like, well, when it comes to equipment, it's insane how in tune he is with equipment. So I can okay. understand why, like guys like um, Ibis Ellsworth, would like to hire him, you know, because um, he he's really really good at expressing what his equipment is doing. His mm. his his body is so beyond what we can conceive of that <laughs> he does have a harder time like expressing what he what he does, but. If you kind of, if you read it, you can get a lot from him still. You know, it's like, I'd be like, if we're out riding, I'd say Norman, like the reason you're casing that jump is because you're doing this thing with your little pinky toe on your left foot and I would fix it. Right. And Brian has like a much deeper kind of like kinesthetic holistic approach, you know? And and I think that like, if if you read my voice and his voice, if you triangulate, you know, then there's a deep truth there. Does so that make sense? Yeah.
0: Nice. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Cool. I, and and uh, yeah. So so by the way, all this stuff we're talking about, I'm going to put in show notes. So there will be links links to the book, uh, any resources I can find on that, and or that you recommend, and um, you know stuff like that. So cool. uh, scroll down or swipe for your show notes, depending on how your podcatcher works. Nice. Um, okay. So so uh do you do you want to get into ripro for a minute oh okay yeah that's like yeah. awesome <laughs>
1: um yeah. yeah so so i've been doing this now um as a job for like i don't know well i've been i think i'm been on this this mission well i quit in 2002 so it's been 15 years and i'd say i've been paying bills as a coach for 10 um mm-hmm. and so <laughs> like i i've just like this whole time just getting closer and closer and closer to what I consider to be maybe the grand unified theory of shred. Right. Mm, and guts. And like, if you took a class from me in the very beginning, it was good and I delivered value, but I was trying to teach you like 50 things. I'd have to write them on a piece of paper so I wouldn't forget. Right. And yeah. over the, t- over time, like that list has gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And then like, it's, it was about six years ago. Right that I started understanding, like, wait a second, maybe I'm not thinking about this the right way. You know what I mean? Like, maybe there's something else going on here, right? So I, I did, and I started thinking, like, you know what? I think the biggest thing we can figure out is what's going on between our hands and our feet, you know? And I started realizing, well, if we're standing on our bottom bracket, like, and this is, by the way, a really different thing about the third edition of the book, because the third edition of the book, the new edition, has this thinking in it. Like, cool. I, always, I was always thinking of, like, well, am I going up a bump or down a bump? I, am I pulling up or pushing down? That's how I was thinking and teaching, right? Okay. And and it, and, it, and it does work. It, it totally works. And you can be a damn good rider doing that, right? Um, and by the way, like, if, if you're pushing down and pulling up, it makes sense to put your elbows above your handlebar. So it kind of, like, ties to the whole idea that elbows should be out, which I don't believe anymore. So, 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 so I just basically designed the first rip row. Like I I wrote, I wrote the, on a, a piece of paper, like a design and had it built out of steel here in town. And, um, it, it just was like, basically like a, like a, like a platform with a pivot and, and like a, like an arm that would like basically be a bike frame. And I started thinking, Oh my God, like this is, this is how it works. So I started changing my teaching techniques and I started like iterating the rip row. And, and so here we are six years in now that the patents in process and we have a company, I'm a CEO now and all that stuff. And so the Ripro, so for people who haven't seen it, by you you can go to ripro.com and check it out. If you're on my Mm -hmm. Facebook stuff, you can see it like crazy too. But like, imagine that you're standing on like a, like a metal base, right? It's two Mm -hmm. feet wide and three feet long. You can put your feet like wherever you want, but you can put them in like a bike position, like on little pedals, either in your normal stance or in a switch stance you can also put the pedals like moto pegs, depending on what kind of rider you are. And so okay. still so say you're in your, moto, your bike stance. And the thing has like rockers on the front and the back. So you have to like balance side to side and front to back. And right okay. between your feet where like the bottom bracket is, is a pivot. And there's a frame that comes out of that. And you can adjust the frame like the reach and the rise to fit like your bicycle. It has a pair of bars on there. It has a seat that you can set at your riding height, you know, your descending height. And then it has these two hydraulic dampers and one provides resistance for pulling and one provides resistance for pushing. So it like, it exactly mimics what your bike and your body are doing when you're like on a pump track or dirt jumping or riding a rock section, um, doing drops, technical climbing. Um, Once you get the hang of it, you can start to do it sideways and it starts to feel like cornering, right? And so it teaches you kind of like, like what I consider like to be like the row and anti-row style of riding. Um, and uh, yeah, I, that's it. I mean, do you, if you have specific questions, dude, I'm like super happy to answer them. I'm kind of floating in my own mind right now.
0: Yeah. Um, I, I think because this is a progressive mountain biking show, I'm curious as to how you might use the rip row to help someone get better at, uh, say, um, maybe hitting basic jumps.
1: Okay. Perfect. And I do this every day. This is my job, right? So, okay. like so there like so I've been at this a long time and, and I and I finally 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 I think I'm starting to find notice I use starting to. I, I qualified it. I'm starting to figure out the grand unified theory of shredding. I think it's coming to me. And okay. there's just like a very very simple archetypal, that's the word of the day, movement pattern that people are designed huh, yeah. to do. And I call it uh-huh. rowing, where basically you push with your legs and pull with your arms. Like That's like how the human body is built. Look at your butt, all the muscle back there. Look at how muscular your core is. Look how big your lats are. That's how we're supposed to operate, right? So yes. on the rip row, right, I would teach you, like I teach a sequence of movement patterns. We start really simple, and then it gets more complicated. But basically, on the machine, I can teach you in person, or you can learn on your own the elliptical like row anti-row pattern. So for example, as you come in through the lip of a jump, you would row. And once you're in the air, you would anti-row basically. And um, you can, you can train that movement, right? And what you can do on the machine is once you start getting it, like the dampers have 12 levels of resistance. Level one is very easy. Five, 10 pounds of the bar, maybe. And level 12, you can get 300 pounds of the bar if you want it. So as, as you start to move correctly, you start adding resistance and power, right? And what you basically do is like burn that pattern into your body. Like the idea that like like when you when you go off a lip, like it's not just your legs pushing into your lip and it's not just your arms like pulling, right? It's integrated right. and it's like hmm. it it needs to pass through your core and and at the high level, your your upper body pull and your lower body push are connected but they're just a little bit out of phase with each other. Syncopated yeah. is the word. And so the machine, it's funny because I've been riding a bike at different levels of crappy for a long time, but you know, and, and I could just say, like, right. I'm not even going to say I'm good. Cause I know what Brian's like. And I, and I wrote with Curtis Keene recently and it was like, wow, damn, right. This is how it's supposed to be done. You know what I mean? Um, sure. So I suck less. And and it wasn't until I had the machine that I could finally and I and I've ridden as many pump track laps as any person in the world. I could say that because I'm obsessive, mm-hmm. right? And I have a pump mm-hmm. track thirty feet from me right now. Um, it wasn't nice. until I got on the machine that I could feel the pattern, right? So like you 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 can teach oh, yourself okay. the pattern at all different levels, and then when you get on the bike, this applies to rocks, corners, berms, drops, technical climbing, BMX gate. Manualing, hopping and jumping is a simple, simple, beautiful, like, I guess, expression of this. Then when you get to the jumps, if I'm coaching you, I'm like, remember that thing we just did. Okay. So here's the timing on this jump and you just do it. And the thing about it is Norman, is that like this rowing, this is, like I said, I think it's an archetypal pattern because if you look at all different sports and activities, lifting cross-country skiing rock climbing rowing making babies they all Uh not ivf like the fun way the good way okay um of making babies like (laughs) Uh they all have that like hip thrust hand pull like pattern that's uh, how the human body's meant to be used and so we remind you about this on the rip row we dial that in and we get on the bike and it's like so instant it's not even funny and then once you have it, of course, you can use the RIPRO to improve your skills and then improve your strength and your, your, your like endurance and speed. So here's an example. Like last week, I coached um, these two professional XTERRA racers, um, Ben and Jackie um, Allen. And they're both kind of like top-level, world-class XTERRA people, which is off-road okay. triathlon. And um, yes. I worked with them about four years ago, got them started, and they came back. And I put them on the rip row for like an hour. I, there's a video on my feeds and my site too. I put them on the rip row for about an hour. And these people are elite athletes, right? So they were able to pick it up pretty fast. And it was insane, dude. We got on the pump track. And within like a short amount of time, they were like ripping the track. Like not just riding the track, but ripping it. Like if you're an XTERRA athlete you're going to be hating life because these people are going to shred you so hard on a mountain bike. It's not even funny, you know? They were ripping it. And then we went wow. to some drops. So this is at Valmont Bike Park in Boulder. So we did the small drop, They're perfect. I'm like, okay, let's do the big drop. And we're talking about a professional triathlete here.
0: Sure. Right? Sure.
1: And they're really risk-averse. We're talking about a professional, world-class Xterra triathlete, maybe like two hours into a lesson after rip-rowing, smashing the large drop on the slope stop perfectly huh. repeatedly like no issue at all and then we go to the jumps and they're jumping you know these are people nice. who like would love to jump no they should jump but who are afraid to jump and within yeah. by within a couple hours are jumping and it's the Row. i mean you know and, and of course i'm i'm the ceo of Rip Row and i'm supposed to sell them you know what i mean to make that pitch but like right. norman like i've i'm t- you're talking to a guy who had a crazy idea Who's been in his frozen garage like Rocky Four, working out on a rip row for six years, okay? In secret. Yeah. And my wife just going, This guy's an idiot, you know, and trying to figure out how, how she can get by. And and I've had every chance to say this is a bad idea and go back to some any other job, right? And, and, and sure. I wanna throw and I wanna throw out and be be a jerk and say this. Like I, I, I'm a professional mountain bike instructor. That's my job. And I'm not that because I suck at bike racing now and I'm too old and I can't keep a regular job. Like I can keep any job and I've kept lots of jobs and I'm really good at all of them. I was called to become a bike teacher. That was my calling from God and the universe. Right. And that's why I sure. do it. And that's why I bring all my Kung Fu and all my mind and my heart to it. Right. So yeah. that's, that's, that's what you get when you get me as your bike coach. I'm saying that to you. Okay. And so yeah. as part of that path, right? You can hear me getting like passionate. <laughs> as sure. part of that path, God or whoever's in charge brought me the ripro to me and helped me bring this to life. And I've had every single chance to say this is a bad idea and it's not gonna work. Right. And it's been expensive and hard the whole way. But it yeah. freaking works, dude. It freaking works. And if you're a mountain biker, a or BMXer, or a motocrosser, you cannot believe the quality of training you get in terms of skill, in terms of neuromuscular patterning, in terms of fitness. It's insane. Um, and, and so that's why I'm here to say, like I, I'm excited for people to try it. And and now like I'm shipping them to people. And it's like you get a guy, like I have a client and a customer, um, Curtis. He's a He's a lawyer. He works like 12 hour days in Delaware and he has a rip row. I'm I'm on Facebook. He's like podiuming in in Enduros all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing.
0: Wow. It's amazing. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. (laughs) That's exciting. Thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's, It's,
1: it's pretty rad. Like, and it's just funny. Like I just had the idea, I pursued it and I ignored the naysayers and here we are.
0: Right. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So if uh, you're doing a, a rollout, uh, push, pushing it out, are you doing any traveling for that? Or, or how, how, are you, how are you doing What's your distribution plan for that?
1: Well, right, that right, ne- right. Like, so in software development, they, they have this philosophy called agile development. Um, mm-hmm. And so this is very agile. It's funny because, so basically, like okay. for you people who aren't familiar with this stuff, like, like if you're going to build a, like say you're going to build a dam, that's called like a, like a waterfall development where you plan the whole thing at once. You plan every single detail ahead of time. Then you pull the trigger and build it done. The, the new yeah. way of developing products in, in software, especially is agile where it's like, well, what's the minimum viable product, the MVP. It's so like my first, sure. like my first prototype was like, does this idea work? And it's like, Holy crap, it works. Well, what's wrong with this mm-hmm. prototype was what, and then you just iterate and go again and again. So we're following an agile process. And I have to say, maybe you'll appreciate this. Norman, like the other day, it hit me. I was like, "So, what's the difference between agile and seated the pants <laughs> and disorganized?"
0: You know, <laughs> nothing. There's no difference. <laughs> There's but, no difference. So One sometimes has a title. I'm like, yeah. yeah so sometimes I'm like,
1: <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, this is like such a mess. But I'm like, no, dude, it's agile, bro. It's agile. So um, so so so, I, we just had a batch of 15 made, and I built them, and we got them out. And so right now um, we, we're iterating the design a little bit, and we're okay. we're working with with a local place to to optimize the design for production. And then we're going to make probably like a hundred to two hundred fifty. And then people are ordering okay. them now, and I encourage everybody to order one. It's great. And the first people to order them, we'll get them. You know, and um, yeah, we're, we're going to start small, like through my bike channel. Um, the beachhead is mountain biking, and then we'll expand into mountain bike. I mean, to motocross and and into. Um, bmx um and uh we'll use you know like people who want to sell them can become um uh, what do you call them like affiliates that's simple uh-huh. and once we have enough margin we'll, we'll have dealers um nice and then and then then that's mountain bikes are first but then was what's really exciting is that this is an accident is what wound up happening was like when we show it to people like d tidwell he's uh Um, from enduro mtb training like probably the most respected trainer in mountain biking Um, he's also a really respected trainer period not just in mountain biking you show it to guys like him and they're like holy crap this is not just a bike tool this is a completely new class of exercise equipment and Mm -hmm. so i've been selling him into gyms and fitness equipment stores and so like there was a day when someone like invented the first elliptical machine or the first lat pull down you know what i mean um yeah Yep. what wound up happening by accident was like, I wound up inventing like the first upright, unstable two directional rowing machine. You know what I mean?
0: Uh, <laughs>
1: which is kind of rad. And, and so you look at all the, I'm looking at all the CrossFit gyms in the world. I'm like, dude, you know, a concept two erg is hard, but you're sitting and, and you're resting half the time. Like get on this thing, right? you know? Right. So that's like, that's like the big future. But for right now, dude, um, uh, we built 15. We know how to do that. Let's figure out how to build 100. Then we'll build 1,000 on, 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 right?
0: I I feel I should mention that it's ten fifteen. Um Oh, wow. Do, do you want to zip out? And uh, do, do you have time still to get to your, your kid's school to watch the eclipse?
1: Yeah, 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 I do. And so I feel like I've been yammering. So if there's anything you want to ask, ask me. And let's give you guys some good content.
0: Maybe like 15 more minutes and I can get out. Okay, so you're standing at the top of a uh, a new feature. Okay? And uh and it it scares the hell out of you. <laughs> right? How do, how do you how do you know when it's safe to go?
1: Well, um if it scares the hell out of you, don't do it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, seriously, don't. I mean, and so like here's 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 my decision tree, okay? Like uh-huh. um like Fear is important. Fear is part of you. Fear is your lizard. Like you know, the, I'm talking to all you people out there. But the person who runs your body is a lizard in the bottom of your head, right? And the lizard's yeah. goals are basically: don't die, make babies. You know, right? And the, and the so, limbic system. Yeah, or, or like um, depending on like your philosophy, like there's the, the professor mind and the chimp mind. This would be the chimp, you know, or even even lower, you know. So if if so the first decision is, am I afraid? If, if you're afraid, if you've crossed the line, like for most people, I think they're optimal at around eight out of 10 on the arousal scale. If you cross that line, you're going to use instinct. Um, and for most people, instinct looks like tension, leaning back, closing your eyes, all the bad things that make you crash. So if, you've, mm. if, 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 if you're in fear, you have to not do it. That's just simple. Um, and, of course, then the next question is, like, well, do do you even know the difference between, okay, like, my body's ready to go and I'm afraid I might get hurt? Like, do you know the difference for your body, Norman? Um, it's
0: something that I'm learning gradually. but
1: Right. And so like I, like
0: I would say that I'm at about 80% of understanding that but I think it's that probably comes back to our journey conversation and it will my feelings about that'll probably be a lot different in say a year than they are now but right <laughs> anyway
1: but 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 most most adults don't know I ask people this all the time and and most people have no idea so like like someone like Brian like has it so dialed oh my god right like he'll do the calculations and he'll either say yep and he'll do it perfectly or he won't you know and he's not gonna apologize and tell you oh i'm sorry i'm not hitting the jump he's just gonna make a decision and not do it right and of course when you're brian you don't no one's gonna doubt you right the guy will jump 100 feet without thinking about it um yeah so but for the rest of us we don't we don't have that awareness especially people who come from an endurance background Rather than like, sure. a shred, like a shred background. So um, I, I've written on this subject. It's in the book. It's on my website um, too. Like basically like, like here's a simple way to tell. If the energy is above your diaphragm, if it's in your chest and your neck and your head and you feel like excited and you want to do it and you can see it happening, that's your body getting ready. That's your body getting ready to throw down and be awesome. That's good. If, if, gotcha. if, you feel, if you feel like uncontrollable tension, if, you, if you're seeing a movie of yourself getting hurt, you know, those are signs. And the, other, and the final sign is if there's any twinge at all in your belly, if there's any feeling down in your gut, it's a no. That's fear. That's like your vagus nerve. That's like the first nerve in amoeba grew when you got anxiety. Um, that's, that's, a, that's a no signal. You have to know the difference. Um, and of course, if, 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 you're, if, you're, if you're at 80% today, Norman, then just be conservative, right? Um, and then the idea being that like, okay, like all we can hope to do is execute the skills that we have, right? And so once you've decided like, okay, I'm not afraid, then you say to yourself, all right, well, do I know how to do this thing? You know, and you might say, you know, I've been on the rip row a lot lately. Am I row anti-row or dialed? Yeah, I'm good. And then you might say to yourself, the last step would be like, well, can I do it right now? Like, am I tired? Is my bike in shape? Am I okay? And if you have, if all those, if you basically, if you're not afraid, if you know how to do it, you don't have to write an essay or a book about it. But if you intuitively know how to do it and you know, you can do it right now, then I say, go like Yoda would say, just do it. Right. But yeah. if, huh? if any of those signals are a no, don't do it. And, and of course, behind all of that is skill is training and practice, you know? And right. if you're a kid and you, and like Brian, he was a good bike rider at age six and he stayed good the whole way, great. It's completely seamless. But for most of us we are coming in as adults, then you really need to like spend some time learning your Kung Fu, learn your own body from the inside out, man. And, um, and since I, I kind of work with a lot of people and I understand that we can only learn so much, my philosophy currently is about Simplicity. It's about learning the, the fewest number of skills that you can learn, mostly row anti row, that will apply everywhere and basically if you're just going to choose one thing you can get damn good at it, achieve a high level of mastery with it and then you're going to trust yourself and the, and when you have it you just you're not afraid does that make sense
0: yeah that's 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 good um, I, I think that uh, that it, ability to understand how you're feeling in the moment is there's, there's something to that, you know, because it's so easy to get amped up and hyped and, and be confused about what it is that you're feeling, you know, in your, in your body when you're, when you having to make a decision about the, um, and, and I'm not even, I, I, I mean, I think it's probably too much to try to get into, like, is the, is the third jump in this line, in which I am in the middle of like, is this going well? Right. That's a, like, it's right. a whole other conversation. I think that's probably very advanced, but, um, but, but we but, can, and is, I'd love to
1: have it with you someday, but you know what? Like here's a, here's an idea, right? Yeah. Like yeah. most of us have terrible, remember all your lizard wants to do is not die. That's all it cares about. Done. Don't die. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most people are like, I want to make that jump. I want to make that set. Right. That's the language that people use out there. Right. That's what people say. Right. Well, you know what? That's a shitty goal, dude. That's a terrible goal. Like I, I, Uh I, I, I coached for, she retired, but I was coaching a professional cross country racer. She's a world cup racer, high level national, you know, what's her name again? Her name was Judy Freeman. She just retired recently and good damn good rider. Right. And one day I were out training in the the early season. I'm like, what's your goal? She's like world champion. I was like, terrible goal, terrible goal. (laughs) Right. First okay. of all, everybody has that goal. Second of all, you yeah. can't control that goal. This is just going to the, the basics about internal goals, right? Intrinsic and motivation. So, right. what, it came, what it came down to was like, these tracks have these pro sections now, right? That are basically like downhill sections. That these cross country people have to ride, right? And that's where the photos get taken, you know. And basically, she's afraid of those sections and it's just messing up her whole race, right? Because she has anxiety mm. the whole way around the track. So what we did is we we practiced her Kung Fu. And we practiced at Valmont every which way, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of drops in all different angles, speeds, pedaling, not pedaling, just got that dialed. And then I said, we set the goal of like just having fun and making sure when she got to those sections, like build and build and and set up a sine wave. So when she got to the section, it was perfect. And what happened was she started riding all the sections. And since she wasn't afraid and she was trying to set up that kind of like cultivating that wave, it was started getting fun and she got faster. And her last season was like amazing, you know? Um, cool. It's pretty, pretty rad. So, so I'm sorry. Like, so back to motivation and goals. So, like, the goal for her became like, this is exactly what it should feel like in your body, in your body when you do a drop, right? And as long as you focus on that, you have a constant, Like running, like tally of is this right? Is this right? Do I need to adjust? Does that make sense? And it's an internal goal; it's not an external goal. So the same thing would happen for jumping or for pumping, right? It's like this is what it feels like when I'm on my rip row, like like when I'm when I'm doing like like I'm insane. Like I'll do like forty minutes of threshold on that thing, right? Because I'm obsessive. And so when I've done like I'm when I'm done like I've already done like eight hundred reps. When I'm on that eight hundred and first rep and I'm tired, I'm like, okay, like I'm balanced in the balls of my feet. I feel tension going through my legs, but the power is in my butt, in my glutes. And when I row, I feel like my lats firing and my butt firing, and I feel a line of tension going right through my flanks, through my core. You catching me? Right? Yeah. And that's exactly the feeling when I should feel when I go off a lip. And then reversing that, like that, uh, that next pattern, that's exactly what it should feel like when I get in the air. So, like if you focus on the inside of your body, that's, that's a world you can control and get really good at. So, huh. that's, where, that's where people need to go. And then what happens, it's hysterical, like the speed, the timing of how much you should pump, like how much power you should put into the bike, like where you should, like some of like the telemetry, all that. That's what your lizard does better than anything. It's built for that, right? Yeah. If you internally focus on that core pattern, then the rest of your system, your peripheral vision, your cerebellum, all your learned patterns, all that stuff can work exquisitely. That's the key. And so what it comes down to is like, if if you take off and it feels good, I swear to God, the landing is going (laughs) to feel good. It always does. And you know what? If that second landing feels good, that second takeoff's going to be good. And so is the third. And if you make a mistake, so say like, say you come up short on a jump, thunk,
0: right? Yeah.
1: Before, when I was learning, I'd be like, oh my God, fail. And I pull off, right? Which is probably a safe, good idea. But now I'm like, oh, I just bled 8% of my speed. Well, okay, I'm going to give 8% more row through this transition, get my speed back and I'm back on like it's, it's seamless. You know, and you watch like a guy like, like Aaron Gwynn's like the master right now. Right. You watch that guy ride. It's pretty much mistake free, but he does make mistakes. And number one, his body position is exquisite. So when he's, he does make a mistake, he's in the right place to deal with it. And his patterning and his practice is so good that he goes exactly right back to his plan. Like we've all seen the video where he sprints out of the gate, looks down, chains broken, yeah. You see him like think about it for a tenth of a second, and then he's like, okay, fine. And he just goes on his day. <sighs> he, he, but, but you understand that like he's not worried it's, about his damn drivetrain, man. Nope. <laughs> he, he's like, well, and, and I don't know if he thinks this way, but as a coach, I would say he has a pattern that he's practiced a million times. And whether there's a chain on his bike or not, that doesn't change. And so he's just going to go execute what he's trained himself to do. And it happens to be fast. Yeah
0: yeah that that, it's such an uh, insightful and um it's not just insightful it's it's valuable i mean it's it's actually it's actionable information that you're sharing there well thanks Um, man i I mean i'm i'm it it makes me you put my mind right on the track and you know right on the jumps and makes me want to get on the bike right now Mm. (laughs) it's really cool that's so like really cool.
1: this, this will, thank you. This will sound like an advertisement, but it's just like a personal story. Right. So mm, for sure. me, jumping took a long time to learn and it was a shit show. I was so terrible, dude. I was so mm. bad. Um, I was terrible. I, I have a broken collarbone, still brain damage, the whole deal, dude. I didn't know how to jump, you know, and no one was helping me. And it was a mess for me to learn how to jump, really a mess. Um, but now I'm pretty, pretty good at it, you know, and, and I'm competent my goal was just to be like to be able to go most places, hit any well-built jump, reasonable jump, and, and be okay. And I've accomplished that goal a while ago. But, but it's always been straight errors, like no steez, no style, right? And something mm-hmm. just happened. My friends will tell you, like, like, like since I've been on the most recent version of the rip row that allows the back-and-forth motion, the previous yeah. versions used springs, so you could only pull or push at once. Yeah. The new version is cyclical. Like all of a sudden – because I've done so many patterns like in my driveway. Right. All of a sudden when I'm in the air, I have time and I'm (laughs) like throwing tabletops, doing whips, transferring. (laughs) Like my mind is just like, like the pattern itself is so on lockdown that all of a sudden I have, like I said, like I have, I have bandwidth now. It's crazy. Yeah. You know? And I feel like I've, and I've been sucking less and less and less at bikes over the years but in the past year, since I've had the new version, I'll tell you I'm thirty percent better than I was. Thirty. Wow. Like it's 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 like it's profound. And and like a guy like Brian or like Curtis Keen, they're just good. They've always been good. They get a little bit better all the time, but they've always been good. I sucked right. when I started. I sucked, and I sucked fifteen years ago. I just didn't know, right? And right. <laughs> it's just like that. That kind of repeated practice and like that. That like conscious patterning because on the machine there's no jump there's not even a pump track it's completely internal focus does that make sense it's a hundred percent like do i can i keep the deck level and not fall off of it can i like do a thousand reps without my lower back hurting and my quads screaming and my shoulders hurting and i'm here to tell you norman if you can set that thing on a high resistance and do a thousand reps and have your body not hurt you're doing something very Right. And that exact thing is there for you when you get on trail.
0: Yeah. Crazy, cool. right? Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited see. to try it someday. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got to get you on one.
1: Once we have them, it'd be cool for you to maybe uh, try one and review it. That'd be rad.
0: Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, without hesitation. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I I follow your Facebook. Stuff partly because uh, you lift weights and I deadlift, and like when you're describing all the firing, you know, the from ankles through calves and glutes and uh, everything, um, that's that's how you deadlift, right? And and so it, it, this totally. is all very uh, uh, it all rings true for me. Um, yeah, it's it's hard, it's hard to describe other than to say that that uh, I'm I'm, I'm glad that we that we had this conversation because it it, it like i said it explains so much of what of what that machine is about um that's good
1: yeah. and you know what it'd be cool yeah. like since you deadlift like you kind of have a feel for the pattern i i call when, when we do that same motion on the ripper i call it a shred lift <laughs> it's the same motion except the bars are traveling in the same direction as on your bike right but like sure. when you when when you deadlift since i know you like to jump and do big stuff right like maybe you already do this but think about riding. like when you're when you're pulling something heavy hmm. put put yourself through the transition on a jump, you want to hit and, and, and think about like, okay, what's the cycle? Like from, from the top of the setup roller all the way through the lip, like how long does it take to get there? Right. It's that timing, isn't it? So dude, what if you were to deadlift with that same timing? Right. Like what if you were just to deeply close your eyes and think and feel yourself ripping through a lip, Right. Like that's good practice that, 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 that makes that practice like way more valuable than just like looking in the mirror and pulling, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, and, and your description of, of keeping the action internal. I mean, just the, yeah, the, the illustration of, of the, of the goal being internal versus external. That's, that's powerful stuff, man. I appreciate that. And I I
1: cool. I, would, I, would, I mean, you know, we all watch Brandon Semenuk, right? When he drops a video, we all drop over yes. and watch it, right? Yes, um, <laughs> yes we do. I, I don't know him. I've seen him up close and personal, like when I built tracks at the pump tracks at the Sea Otter. You know, I've seen how okay. he operates. I, yep. I would, I would guess, I would guess that he has a very, 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 very strong internal life you know yeah. and that he's very very focused inside himself and he knows what's going on i would i would guess mm. that right mm. sure whether whether he can ex- and brian too like whether they can express it or not that's a completely different system um mm. right right but right. yeah uh-huh and and you know it's hysterical and like stop me anytime it's like you know i i i'm lucky i live in boulder colorado and we have a valmont bike park it's incredible right and I work there a lot of the time, so I, I I get a chance to jump a lot. I hit jumps a lot, and I hit them on all different bikes. You know what I mean? And it's like, if if you're doing the patterning, well, you almost always make the jump. Number one. But even if you don't make the jump, it doesn't even matter. Like it, it's, it's 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 just it doesn't matter. Like if you case a jump and you're in an anti row phase when you case it, 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 it's 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 immaterial. Like um. That, um I did like like the Bible of BMX racing. It's called Pro BMX Skills. And yes. I was at the Olympic track in Chula Vista, right? And a friend of mine, a great friend of mine named Chris Powell, he was a mountain bike racer, he won a World Cup four cross, he's a lawyer, he is like the scourge of the San Diego area Strava. He's a badass still, right? And okay. a BMX racer too. And, and and we're out there on the track and I asked him to like um um demonstrate how to case a jump. Right. So he comes off the the, the start hill and he's going about 40, you know, close to 40 miles an hour. Right. Sure. You know, seriously. And the first, the first jump is 40 feet. He nails it. Second jump, you know, and then there's about a 30 foot double that he cases on purpose. Right. And then you can find it on my website, like the photo sequence. And it was incredible because like, this is a guy who like makes jumps all the time. I told him, I want you to case it. He's like, okay. So he made whatever calculation he had to make in his head. (laughs) Yeah. And he like, on a BMX bike, mind you, right? Like I'm always whining about my suspension, BMX bike. He completely cases this jump. Like you could not case it any worse than he did both wheels. (laughs) But what he did was like in the air, he like pushed his bike at the jump. And right before he landed, he started pulling the bike to him doing anti-row and what happened, Norman, was profound. He completely, 100% absorbed the impact. In the photo sequence, his head goes straight. It's like on the same parabola, no disruption. He was able to get full pump out of the backside and makes the, make the next one. Wow. I was like, cool. if that's how you crash, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like if that's how you fail, then dude, Came on. And, and that's a, and that's a case of internal pattern,
0: right? Yeah, sure, sure.
1: And, and amazing. Also, a very nice guy. That too.
0: Uh, oh, cool, <laughs> cool. I'll link to that to those uh, images. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In show okay. notes. That'd be rad. Yeah, cool. Well, listen, I've we we talked about d- uh, doing an hour show, and now we're almost an hour thirty, which for which I am extremely grateful by the way um well thank you and um, um the sun I, the know, sun the, is changing
1: we're about to have an eclipse over here
0: yeah exactly yeah <laughs> so so i'll let you go and uh go watch the eclipse with your kids cool and uh i'm really looking forward to talking to you again in the future and okay. uh, good luck good luck with everything thanks man take care bye-bye okay Thanks to Lee for sharing his story. I've included links to his homepage, YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram accounts in show notes, where you'll find tons of awesome links related to this episode, located at mtbjumper.com slash Lee McCormick. Whether you're using the native iPhone podcast app or any Apple or Android podcatcher, I like Podcast Republic, show notes are right there on your device. Please visit facebook.com slash mtb jumper podcast and if you like the show leave a five-star review on instagram we're at mtb jumper podcast all right folks thanks for listening another fun informative insightful episode is on the way see you then in the meantime make time to ride that bike